Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, everyone. Uh, This is Eric uh, from Leadership is Tricky, and we have Steve back. Yes, I'm alive. (laughs) I made it. So, uh, I think we're still early enough in in 2020, so Happy New Year to everyone that's just coming in. If you missed the first last episode, uh, we have a special guest today, uh, someone that uh, I struck a relationship with, uh, with early on in his career. Um, you know, many years back, and I saw him at the grassroots, and uh, we're bringing him on today because he has really blossomed um, as a business professional uh, by starting his own business, um, and we really want to talk about his leadership journey uh, to, to, to date, and uh, Steve, before we bring him on, uh, you know, do you have anything that you want to put out there? I think getting stories like this is going to ring true to so many other people out there. I, I love hearing about People, you know, who are truly invested in leadership and how that guided their decisions in life, if it's professionally, personally, whatever. So I'm excited to talk to David and learn from him. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to bring David here in. Um, hey, hey guys. Hey, David. Hey, how David. you doing? What's up? What's up? Uh, not much, man. Hey, thanks for uh, for agreeing to do this with us and, and go on this journey with us. And um, yeah, so tell uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hey, my name is David King. Uh, as Eric mentioned, I'm the owner and founder of Newman Consulting. It's a government consulting-based firm here in D.C., but I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, born and raised there to two awesome parents. Uh, my, my journey started really with them in leadership. They're both teachers, very humble backgrounds. I moved here to D.C. and started my career as a software engineer. Uh, loved the field, enjoyed it, um, did many different did many different things in many different industries, uh, from government contracting to healthcare, nonprofit, large business, small business. And so, um, yeah, it was really good. Um, I live here in Arlington, Virginia, very near the Pentagon. And so I'm just grateful to be here, thankful to have you guys on. And I'm definitely excited to talk about leadership because that's something that's so important um, to every single person, professional, mom, dad, wherever you are, you know, we all in some way have a leadership role and we should be inspired to grow and develop that. Awesome. So thanks for sharing that. And uh, yeah, so you're there in the energy, the heartland of America, the way I like to call heartland. it. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the heartbeat of America. That's the yeah. air order, right? Uh, um, so yeah. So how's the traffic out there? Uh, man, you know, I typically take the Metro. I just avoid all traffic altogether. Absolutely. So let someone else drive. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll we'll get into, you know, some of the, you know, um, the discussion here, you know, so let's, let's talk about, you know, why you decided to start your business. Mm -hmm. What was that? What was that motivation factor for you? You know, for me, actually, it's kind of an interesting, kind of interesting story. I wasn't really looking to start a business. You know, I wasn't really, hey, I'm going to do business. The big motivation was when I started my career here in D.C., um, there was a, a woman when I started in um, Booz Allen Company who literally, she just kind of took me under her wing and she challenged me. As a young 22, 23-year-old, she said, hey, if you don't, have, if you don't own a business, by the time you're 27, you're going to have to deal with me. And, you know, she kept up with me over the, oh, yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. I mean, she just invested in me. She saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. 
you know, 23, 22, you're like, man, lady, you're crazy. You know, yeah, your, pr- gonna your priorities are probably a lot different than what yeah, she you want to you want to go to happy hour. My friends, you know, you're just you're you know, you're, I'm coming fresh from Georgia, too. So this is a whole new scene for me. And, hmm. you know, government and all these things. You guys know it's just a lot going on. So long story short, you know, even after I had left uh, Booz Allen and done a couple other things in my professional career, um, she kept up with me. She texted me just say, hey, how are you? How's it coming on the company? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, nothing's going on. And so she keep in contact. She keep in contact. And um, eventually what ended up happening was I originally started in defense and as a software engineer in defense. And I left and went to commercial because I want to I want to keep my skills current and congruent and I want to try something different. But while I was in commercial, um, I did a. A, uh, a 1099 kind of independent contracting gig on the side back mm-hmm. in defense. And that's where I realized, um, hey, I can apply a lot of what I'm learning in this commercial setting in the defense in the defense realm. And so I, I caught on to like a, a little bit of a market segment uh, that I thought was like, hey, you know, I could I could do this. And it just so happened that um, I had great favor with both um, the client and the prime contractor there and the prime contractor, the client, the government client said, hey, you know, um, you know, we've had this guy for the last year. My contract was up and the client, the government client was like, hey, we really need to keep this guy on. The prime offered me a, a director position at the company. But, you know, I kind of talked to my mentors, my leaders. Um, I had one mentor, Michelle Bolos from NT Concepts. Um, I had worked there before, and I think, Eric, that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just encouraged me. They said, hey, go for it. At the time, I was 27, getting ready to start a government contracting business in D.C. Like, but, hey, I had the backing. I, I saw a specific market, and I had a very specific focus um, that I said, you know, this might actually work. And so, yeah, it, it worked out. I started and it was not a big transition because I was already doing the 1099 contracting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just incorporated um, and, and got that business up and running and started. And, and that, that was the journey. You know, it all really started with a leader saying, hey, I see I see that you can do this. And she pushed me and she really kept up with me in that. Yeah, it's interesting because I know when I met you, uh, you were talking a lot about this individual that, you know, was pushing you, you know, from, from the outside and, you know, and you were a little bit gun shy, you know, you, you, you were really risk adverse and, um, and, you know, Michelle, you know, I know her as well. And I know she was really advocating for you to, you know, stop being stagnant, stop being scared. Let's go ahead and do it. And she was going to help you do that. So I'm happy that it all worked out and that you are where you are today. Um, Yeah. So I guess my initial thought to you is, it sounded like it took a five-year span for you to get from that 22, 23-year-old, you know, wet behind the ears coming from Atlanta, Georgia to D.C. to your big aha moment where you were like, I'm all in. Let's go do this. I'm ready to take that risk. Uh, talk about those five years and kind of the things you were working on, maybe professionally, personally, the things you were getting involved in. Um, what what eventually because I, I, it's I mean I think everything happens for a reason I kind of believe in that um, and it sounds like when you were that 27 year old finally ready to take the deep uh, the jump in the deep end you know what did it take to get you to that 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 point I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah I, I actually mentor a lot of young younger people I mean still very young and, and the courage and I think 
a key for me was movement. You know, this generation of, of young, especially young professionals in America, it is not uncommon for them to stay at a company for two, three years and then move. And uh, I know that's not popular to hear, and I know that's not the traditional way it's been, but for me, that was absolutely key. I started professionally, like I said, as a software engineer in a large company, Booz Allen, in the government, picked up a lot of experience there, met a lot of people. Big thing there was even movement within Booz Allen, doing different contracts, um, meeting people, networking, keeping those networks. Then I went and said, hey, I want to try a woman-owned small business. Probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Talking directly to the CEO, being directly engaged with the C-suite, um, being a part of their, their strategic, their proposals, picking up different skills there. And from there, it was a very, very difficult decision. But I decided to, from there, go into get out of defense, do a whole different market. So I'm only four, maybe, maybe about four years in my career, and I switched completely into like um, a massive nonprofit here that does a lot with healthcare. And the specific goal for me to transition was specifically to pick up some of those skills that were newer at the time, like cloud and um, keeping those skills sharp and current. I couldn't quite do that um, in the government market. And so I, I transitioned and did that. And that's where I really gained another technical mentor, a guy by the name of Colin. He kind of taught me everything I knew. And that really boosted my confidence on the technical side because and when I was working in the government, it was a little bit more about SharePoint and some of the other things, but I wanted to broaden my horizons. And I was specifically looking for a place where I could work on a high-performing dev development team, refine my skills, find that mentor, and I found that in Colin. And after that, that kind of gave me a bit more confidence on the technical side to really say, hey, you know, I can really do this. So, so, uh, so kind of what was the tipping point for you, though? Like, um, right, so you're building your technical skills, you know, you're meeting the right people. Um, you know, you're 23, 24, 25, 26, right, where you're building this network, you know, what was the tipping point where you said, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself? You know, you know, what, what, what was that moment, you know, where you, you know, sitting there having a cup of coffee, watching Netflix, were you out with friends, were you sitting in a meeting where you said, you know what, enough is enough, I need to bet on myself, I'm going to go all in, you know, what was that moment like for you? Man, I will, I will never forget it. I was actually sitting at my desk in D.C. I mean, glass windows, everything was beautiful, sun shining in. And I had a choice before me. I was working, actually, I was working two jobs. I was working full time at this nonprofit in D.C. And I was working another four hours from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. as an independent contractor in defense. So I was like, you know, I can't keep working these 12 hour days. I did it for two years. Wow. And I was Oh, yeah. Two years work, 12 hour days. But I was having so much fun. I was learning. So I sat there and I was at a tipping point because my contract was up. My 1099 government contract was up. You know, I had to make a decision. Either I was going to stay in commercial in healthcare, or I was going to go in defense. And the, the key was I was trying to think of how am I how am I going to come back into defense? I could either the choice was simple, either go as a director in a very big company, which in a way, it would have been the easy way out because you have everything provided for you. The marketing, you have the, you know, the backing of a big company, you have all the things, the, the HR systems, the, the accounting, everything is built in for you. And then on the other hand, you know, I was talking to my mentors and says, do, why not do your own thing? And I said, you know, many opportunities don't present themselves like this. You have a government client that wants you. You have a prime that's willing to 
help you get a contract and sponsor you for a facilities clearance and all those things. So at the end of the day, it was a no brainer. You can always go back to a big company, do those types of things. But, you know, I really wanted to learn. I wanted a new growth experience. And was it scary at first? It was like, yeah, it was scary as crap. But, you know, having those mentors like Michelle and the, the lady that helped me and who's Allen, having them really made it a little easier to make that decision. Got it. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm I'm speechless that you were able to take that risk because I know, and I'll I'll put myself in some of the listeners' shoes. Uh, I think that it depends on timing, it depends on personal yes. situation, it yeah, depends absolutely. on all these you know external factors and decisions that you got to think about. And I applaud you for stepping into your bigness. It's kind of my catchphrase, if you will. But I mean, a lot of people never do that, and good on you for taking that risk. Um, so I, I I've got a question for you now. So you know, let, let's let's step back into that decision point, that aha moment. You're sitting in that bright, shiny office you were talking about and working those 12 hour days um, and you make that choice. You make that choice to say, I'm going to bet on myself and go all in on, on, on my own thing. Um, what what does that next day look like when you wake up in the morning? What, what's what's your first step in, in that direction? <laughs> Man. Well, the next day was like, let me get up and pray to make sure I just did the right thing. So I got up, you know, I'm on my knees like, you know, Lord, please let me hope this is, you know, you're, you're taking a big risk. You're taking on fiduciary responsibilities. You know, you're taking on responsibilities that, you know, as a 27-year-old, you kind of got to grow up quick. So the next day, immediately the next day, you know, I'm reaching out and thinking about my strategy, you know, benefits i'm thinking about how we're going to set up a company culture um the name numa was actually is inspired by a greek word that means life spirit and life and so um, our tagline is inspired lives inspired solutions it's not necessarily about purely bringing a solution but bringing inspired people that will really tackle that solution so i'm i'm all in i'm in building mode i'm in laying that foundation you know I very much believe in framing, you know, let's frame what we're going to build. As a software engineer, we frame what we're going to craft, what we're going to build. And so I did that same thing for the business. I sat down, got a piece of paper, and I wrote out several spheres that I wanted to frame. For example, you know, the basics, you know, accounting, finance, then go, you know, to what are, what are our benefits going to look like? You know, my biggest fear was who's going to follow me at 27 in a government contracting company? Like who gonna who gonna who gonna work with a twenty seven year old, you know? So I gotta I have to craft something that you know it's not about me. It's about creating a space where they can be inspired, where they can grow. And so I immediately start doing those things and getting the the business foundations in place, but also the things that people don't see. What does the company feel like? How does the company look? Those types of things is immediately the next day that so I'm going to. So to interject, you know, one of the things I keep hearing you is that you're you're, you're really all about inspiration, right? And yeah. So, so this is one of the things that I always do with people, and you know, you and I have had this conversation as well. It's like, you know, why does that matter to you that people are inspired to get after things with you? You know, and that's it's more of a question for you. You know, why 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 is that really big for you that people are inspired? That's huge. I mean, that's that's everything we do, and the reason is because I do believe the best solutions come when people are inspired. You know, we see time after time, too many people are clocking in day in, day out, just kind of putting in their eight hours. But, you know, we want to do something great. We want to, we want to inspire change in the areas around us. And inspiration doesn't necessarily begin with your work. It begins in what motivates you, what, um, 
what things are important to you. Is your family important to you? Let's craft our benefits around making sure your family's taken care of. It's, it's, it's flexibility, it's time, you know, it's, it's charity, it's giving. Are all those things important? You know, there's all types of studies that say giving is an important thing to do. That inspires us naturally as human beings. And so we want a company full of people who are really inspired. And that honestly begins with me. And I, I have all so many great inspirations and ideas. And I think it's just very important um, that people live their lives in a way that's inspired. And the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, as a business owner, I'm merely a steward of someone's life and someone's career. You know, Michelle stewarded, you know, my professional life and career while I was there. And, you know, those are the things that inspire people. So, you know, people will be here for a time and a season, you know, we want them to stay as long as they want. But, you know, I really see it as you're stewarding someone's life, their life, their families, their careers. And, you know, we want to make sure that they have the best experience possible as they partner with NUMA to bring solutions to the government, inspire solutions. So, so we talked about your first day and kind of how you sketched it all out and you prayed, you know, that it was all going to be well. You probably didn't have, uh, you know, eggs and bacon. You probably had to go eat a piece of toast with peanut butter. right? And that, and that ramen. Don't forget about that. It's absolutely. Right. <laughs> you can live off ramen and, you know, all that sodium. But um, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that health plan comes in. Absolutely. He was looking for health care for himself. Um, so, so, so you're there, right? So now, now let's, let's talk about, you know, your first year, right? So, um, you're getting it off the ground. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's really all on you and on your shoulders and maybe, you know, you know, who was that first follower, um, with you to, to jump in the deep end with you? And then, you know, what was that, what were your leadership challenges that first year? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually funny story about my first follower and you're talking about challenge. I mean, you guys don't know the half. Another in motivation for me starting a business was I was actually supporting another family. Um, my dad had lost his job, had a couple of bad things happen to him. And so, you know, now I'm having to kind of pick up the burden of a family here and a family, you know, elsewhere. And so he was actually the first follower. Uh, he was a former math teacher and we needed somebody to come in, get the books. So the first leadership challenge that I really had was understanding the basics of business. I immediately went on Amazon, bought every accounting and finance book I could, accounting for dummies, finance for dummies, found a accountant, and I, I paid this accountant to train my dad to do the books. Okay. And I also needed him in the company because you couldn't get health care insurance until you had at least two people in your company, two to three people. <laughs> So, stuff you, you find know, out go, afterwards. Right? Afterwards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you go, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you gotta have health insurance. Nobody's gonna join the company if you don't have it. Actually, I lost potentially my first employee because I didn't have health insurance set up. Wow. So I was like, oh crap, I gotta get this set up. You, I go to get it set up. The guy's like, oh, it's just you. He's like, no, you can't get a group health term. I'm like, well, what do I gotta do? He's like, you gotta have at least another two or three people in your company. So I hired my dad. I'm like, okay, I need somebody to do books. And I wanted that accountability set in from the very beginning. So hired my dad, you know, very low paying, keeping it very, very, very low. Um, and uh, yeah, we met every morning. You know, I had to get on a rhythm, you know, met every morning. You need the accountability. You know, he's calling me every morning at seven o'clock on the dot. You know, we're talking about business. We're, we're making sure the books are right. We want to know the accounting chart. Of, I didn't know anything about chart of accounts, journal entry, any of that. But, you know, those are the first things. Those were those leadership challenges. It's like, you know, man, I didn't know you had to do this. How do we get 401k set up? How do we do this and that? And having him being that first follower, your own dad. And I mean, of course, it was such a moment of pride for him to partner with his son in a business. And that was just such a 
a motivation for him and an encouragement for him. And also for me, I needed that accountability, that structure, you know, to keep me going. So that was the beginning of the first year. Um, and the cool thing was I didn't have to eat on ramen. I had a very serious uh, girlfriend at the time, so I don't think ramen would have cut it. <laughs> um, actually, one of my mentors warned me before I started the business, thankfully, because I, I knew that this may be a possibility a few months out. So one of my mentors told me, like, hey, make sure you're saving up your paper because you aren't going to get paid for a good four to five months. Got it. So, you know, I had those two jobs I told you I was working. I was I wasn't out there spending it at the bar. I was banking every bit of it. I was living with roommates and a top bump paying four hundred dollars a month in D.C., just banking every penny I could to save up to alleviate some of those challenges as a 27 year old new business owner, you can't get a loan from any bank. You have to finance this yourself. And so there wasn't, that was a challenge. You know, I went to try to get a line of credit and stuff and they're like, Oh yeah, no, you, you know, you gotta be in business at least, you know, two, three years before they even think about giving you money. Uh, so that was another challenge, but thankfully uh, because of my mentors, I was able to, you know, have the, the, the capital to do that. Uh, first year, what that looked like, honestly, it looked like a nine to five, more like a seven to five with my dad calling me at seven a.m. every morning. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, I, I didn't hire an employee until after my very first year because I wanted to make sure things were set up. The foundations were in place. And, you know, the first year really was just me. And I was just working with the with the prime and with the government to get a very kind of definitely revolutionary system. Um, online, which was really, really cool. But then after that first year, it was like, okay, it's kind of like you have that same aha moment. It's like, okay, I'm here. Am I going to go up or am I just going to stay here and collect a paycheck? And I think that's the big challenge for leaders. Once you have a business, it's like, you know, you get used to making the, the, the nice money by yourself, no responsibility. And then after the first year, there came this time and, and an opportunity to, to help the client with more things. And I couldn't do it myself. And so I had all the foundations in place and um, it was, it's a little scary because it's like, you know, hey, you know, how are, how are you going to find this, this first employee and what's that going to look like? Yeah, it's, and, it's, 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 it's great, though, because um, that you kept it in the family. Right. And I think it, it, I think the timing was there, too. And yeah, um, it's, it's such a fulfilling story, too, is that your dad can come in help you you understood your your weaknesses because i remember working with you a lot of the times and you are the guy with the great ideas you are the guy that has the technical skills to to make anything happen right you're one of the more talented people that i ever met but um it was also someone to keep you focused and honed in and exactly um, you know working towards you know that purpose of getting to that vision of of inspiring people and bringing people in that are inspired you can't do that if you don't have the foundation so um, so, so going from that point to where you are today, right? So now you have, you know, multiple employees in your business, you have the foundation yep. set up. So, you know, how, how has your leadership focus or your competencies changed from day one to where it is today? Like, how have you seen that development and growth? And then where do you see some room for improvement? Yeah. Um, for me, the, the development and growth, growth mostly came um, through, like I said, how can I create an environment where it's not a nine to five, but they are, people have a creative outlet. So for example, one of our first employees was a graphic designer and, you know, she was fresh out of college and, you know, I gave her full latitude to do our marketing and branding. 
you know, and she honestly really loves that. How can I develop her as a professional? You know, we're very big on um, giving and we're very big. One of our values is um, transformative giving, you know, giving with the aim of transformation, not with the aim of checking a box or whatever, but like giving with the aim of transformation. And, you know, we had a guy actually move out from Texas to join us here in D.C., former military, awesome guy, great leadership. And, uh, you know, so I I put him over, you know, hey, help us build a culture where we can give and give back to our community. And so, you know, he did that. So my job, and at the same time, I'm still doing, you know, seven hours of technical stuff. Bill still got to get paid eight, you know, technical seven, eight hours a day doing the technical stuff. But then my job as more of a leader and as the CEO became about, you know, once the, the wheel was running with all the things you got to do every month, reports, finances, those things, it became more about how can we build and develop and greater serve our clients. Um, as far as room for improvement, I think one of the biggest areas that I can personally improve on is understanding and knowing more about our market, specifically um, on how to capture a bit more of the market. So being so young, I think starting a career very young was good and starting a business young very was very good, but it's kind of like a double-edged sword because working in the government, as you know, I mean, there's a lot of rules, regulations, there's a rhythm to the way the government acquires services. There's a rhythm to that. There's a formula on how you capture business and win business. And I think that's an area where I really can improve and grow in. Um, I did not have as many of those yearly cycles and the bigger companies working on those proposals, understanding capture, understanding, you know, gold team, red team, blue team. So I think in my next, you know, big leadership development is definitely going to be in, you know, having a deeper expertise and knowledge of the uh, acquisition cycles and the way that um, businesses can capture work in the government. And I already have good mentors that are helping me to lay those foundations because um, that, that is the next area of growth. We've had a lot of very good organic growth just by the nature of the solutions that we produce and we're very involved in our business community. So thankfully we haven't had to do very much business development. A lot of times our clients will come to us and say, Hey, you know, you solved this problem for this agency here. We need you to solve it for us here. So, you know, thankfully because we have a team of inspired people, we really come in, we really do good work. Um, That organic growth is also extremely key to really being successful as a startup. Hey, David, I got a question for you. So we've talked a lot about your business and kind of the work that in your mission kind of as a business and how you, you know, solve problems on behalf of your clients, which happen to be the the government today. Um, How do you as a business owner, leader in your organization, put work to the side and and quote unquote, get to know your employees and have that kind of teaming and opportunity for your employees and your and your team to get to know one another and kind of break those barriers. And, you know, we had a previous episode ourselves on isms and, and biases that, that people have intrinsically. Um, how do you get after that as an organization? And if you can talk to a little bit of your leadership kind of philosophy in your organization, um, help our uh, listeners understand a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think especially when you're a small business, it really all starts with, the leader to set the tone for that. Um, so we, several things, you know, it's just small, it's paying attention to small details. When people join, you know, 
the first thing we do, you know, take them to a welcome lunch, you know, understand about them in their in the interview from the interview process. We, we talk not about technical, but just about their lives, what inspires them, you know, how could Newman help serve them? And so from the very moment that they step into the door, you know, they already kind of have this this semblance of uh, family. Um, we also, like every company, we do uh, many events. Oftentimes, sometimes instead of sitting on client side, I will actually go and personally sit and work with uh, some of our some of our people that employees that work with us. I do that all the time. So I don't sometimes don't go to the client site that's necessarily most convenient to me. I'll go sit with them, talk with them. Hey, you know, how are you solving this problem? We do all types of company events, which is great. Um, not just events that build us. Like we've done escape rooms. I love the escape room. That was really good because it was really cool to see um, some of the employees and then their spouses, the dynamic between their spouses. Did and, you get out? You know, we all said again. Did yeah, you? we got out. And, and <laughs> all right, honestly, it all wasn't, right. it wasn't me. It was actually one of our employees and their spouses. And I was like, wow, you know, they're, they're, they're crushing it. But it taught me a lot about each individual person, you know, you know, Obviously, employees are not your kids, but in a way you feel responsible for them. So you want to know them. You know, it's like your kid. You One kid's different than the other. You know, this kid likes this kid like that. You know, every first year after they passed their first year, I went to each of their spouses and said, what is it that one thing that your husband or wife has always been wanting? And, you know, sometimes it's not about a monetary bonus. It's giving them something that they really want in their life. One person had a dog and they wanted a Ramba like vacuum cleaner and that had been on their wish list forever their husband wouldn't get it for him so first year wrapped it in a box said hey here this is yours and i mean that person was ecstatic you know <laughs> another guy he's a phd in physics who works with us smart dude phenomenal dude his wife said hey he wants a laptop to do more data science stuff you know first year surprising with the laptop but not just those types of things we've also um done things where you know my leadership style is very much let's be involved in the community let's find let's give back you know there it makes no sense for us you know to work and, and make our money here in dc how can we give back there's a community right across the river from where we are anacostia you know how can we give back to this this area like anacostia that you know have issues and challenges and so we had a, a gentleman join us from the military from texas i've mentioned him and you know he became our um, community relations lead and, you know, we set up events where people in our company can come out and learn about the community and Anacostia, something that may be foreign to them. But, you know, we had them come out. So we partnered with a good charitable organization that does work in that area. And uh, we sponsor them and really get involved um, in that aspect. So not all of our events are centered around us and learning more about us. It's really also learning more about how we as NUMA can bring inspiration, not just to our government clients, but also to the communities that are right here next door to us that are in need. And that adds another dynamic, you know, to your leadership style, adds another dynamic to um, to seeing people and knowing what they like. And, and surprisingly, you know, when you present the opportunity for people to get involved and to help others improve their lives, they'll jump at the opportunity. At least, you know, that's been my experience. Well, it sounds like that's important to your business. I mean, that that sounds like a strong value that, you know, you're recruiting for. And, you know, if people aren't on board with that idea, I mean, they're not going to join your company anyways. So I I love the community connection. I think that's kind of where I see, you know, companies and businesses going this purpose driven economy that um, we've kind of read and heard about. So I, 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 I appreciate that from you. 
Um, no, no, I'm, uh, and you know, on the other side, you know, I, I agree with things you said, Steve, but I also like the fact that you've connected with the families, right? Because too often we lose sight of the individuals that are there, and then everything that we do or what they do, they sacrifice so much for us to gain, you know, to move the needle forward, that uh, we don't oftentimes just sit back, reflect. And then try to give back to them and their families, right? So understanding, you know, what are those things that they're they're, they're having challenges with at home? You know, the stressors in their lives, you exactly. know, outside of just getting the paycheck, right? Yeah, you don't hire just a person; you hire in them and their family, and maybe extended family. You know, because e- even exactly. you know, and I'm making an assumption here, but even the the packing up that Roomba, right, and giving it to the <laughs> spouse. Um, you know, because of that dog, that's one more task that's probably going to take off of her. So she can more focus on making sure that the economy right that holding environment that they have there as a family is is sound and right um so you know that's that's amazing even that laptop right maybe um a more efficient more uh, system with more ram and processing power is going to help him get through his tasks a little bit faster so he has more time for the family so you know i think that's that's extremely important and um i know i am big on the individual, you know, we've talked about this before, Steve, too. And, you know, Steve and I have been working with for a while is that I don't care about the work because the work's always going to get done. I care about the people. And if we can invest in them and, and focus in on their lives a little bit more, um, it's going to show them that, hey, you know what? I want to give a little bit more back to the company. So, no, I, I applaud you for that. And, you know, the community piece, too, is I think so oftentimes we we have to get to a point where we're more we're serving the community the same way the community serving us right so um, exactly yeah so my, my hands off you know to you and uh giving back in, in that manner so um um what i'd like to do um though is uh you know start to look at uh, maybe wrapping up this session here um mm-hmm. and uh maybe we do a follow-on um to to get after some 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 of the other things too because i think that i'm, I'm extremely intrigued with your guys' vision and what, what you're trying to do and then knowing where you've come from to today, you know, one, I'm extremely proud and I think we got to get that message out there on, you know, um, you know, as a young professional, and I know you keep mentioning it that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm young. You're no, it doesn't matter about age for me. It's, it's about a matter of you're living your purpose and you're helping yeah. others be inspired and motivated to live theirs. And, you know, and I can really, uh, appreciate that and really want to bring you back onto the show um and maybe we talk about that in another segment you know as we bring other people on maybe we circle back or bring you on with michelle so we can have a you know bigger conversation oh, yeah. as well um I, I think what you've also hit on today is just the the power of people surrounding you and just listening and opening yourself and just kind of like taking in their feedback you know people told you and it sounded like more than one person told you, you need to invest in you. You need to go off and do this. And you had a lot of cheerleaders and champions, you know, telling you, yeah. David, we believe in you. And you were, yes. you finally listened and thank God you did because look at what you've become, you know, and hindsight's twenty twenty, And you said it earlier, you know, that decision point that you said it was a no brainer, I think was the word you used. But I, I would surmise that there's probably people out there that that probably wasn't as apparent for you at that moment in time, because you did have a couple of paths, maybe even like a third or fourth path that you could have chosen in that moment. Cause there's always the status quo, just keep doing what you're doing. You could have kept working those 12 hour days, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it, it might be cliche to say life's too short. You know, you got to live for now versus, you know, in the past or the future. But, um, I, I hope people will get inspired by this story because I think there's a lot of 
courageous, you know, people out there that maybe are just being held back by whatever um, external or internal influences and factors they've got going on. So, um, you know, more of this kind of story is always a good thing. I love how you've broken some barriers. If it's an age thing, if it's a, I was in government, went to commercial, did some kind of different, um, you know, avenues. Uh, I would just say, keep living your purpose and stepping out of your comfort zone. I mean, that's how we grow. And I think that, uh, I'm getting a lot from you on that. Absolutely. Can I, can I just ask you before we close out here? I'd just like to ask, you know, uh, for your insight, you know, for, for some of our audience and followers, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if there's one thing you can leave them with or something, you know, something that you can ask of them, you know, for folks that are looking at investing in leadership or maybe starting a business or, or whatever the case may be, you know, you know, what advice or, or thoughts would you leave with them uh, before we depart here today? The two things I would leave is not a life, but you're saying is, is know that you have a purpose and really I know it's cliche and I know everybody says it, but the biggest thing is address realistically your limitations. What's limiting you? Get rid of the excuses, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and address that. And and you'll see it's not as scary as you think. We put so many limitations on ourselves. You can hear in my story, you know, age and I don't look like everybody else and I don't have the experience. Those are all just limitations that were that I was placing on myself. And the last the second thing I would say is find those champions, you know, find that one children, even if they're not in your field, even if they're not in your industry, you know, find that person, you know, that can stick with you. There's, there's a saying that I live by. I said, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, you know, you need to kind of find that because it's, 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 you can't do it alone. Like you really need other people. So address your limitations and be realistic with yourself. Be ruthless. I had to be ruthless with myself mm. and find those champions. Too many people are not willing to be honest with themselves. I find so many people try to help out and they just they can't be honest with themselves and they they see limitations where there aren't really limitations. Yeah, that's it's that's it's a great uh, perspective, too, because I think too often we don't do a self inventory of our skills um, and and competencies. And um, so we go off assumptions even for ourselves. That yeah. Either we can't do something or we can do something. Um, and it's nice, you know, to, to have people around you because I know we, you've mentioned the word mentor throughout this uh, this uh, discussion several times. And we talk about it all the time. Yeah, right. Is to have those people around you that aren't going to sugarcoat things. You know, like Steve, yeah. you know, I, I brought something to him yesterday and he told me he's like, OK, stop whining about it. What are you going to do about it? To take oh, uh, take charge. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but, That's but, what you need. But, you but, need that. No. So, you know, at the it, it stings at first, but then you go back and you reflect and you you chew on that for a little bit and then you get to a moment where you're like yeah you're right you know that these are the things that i need to do and then you have that conversation so you need to surround yourselves with people that are going to give it to you just keep it real yeah that's how i look at it you know yeah keep it real so that way and then you know when you do that self-inventory keep it real with yourself right answer those questions like you know am i good at you know uh political savviness or business acumen or, you know, you know, am I truly a leader or am I just a a manager with some, some type of authority? Mm, Um, And then mm, that's a hard one, Eric. Absolutely. And then, you know, but that comes with, you know, looking at yourself and as you're doing that self inventory, you know, look at your values and your beliefs and then, you know, hold on to that value system. Uh, Cause we, and in fact, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to scratch it right now. So we were talking about it today. We're going (laughs) to save it for another episode. So one of the things that, you know, I'm big on is, um, and Steve and, and hell, David, you can attest to this as well because you worked with me as well. Is that I'm big on integrity, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm big on just giving it to you real. 
Um, and whether it's good, good or bad news is you, you put it out there and being your authentic self. And what do I mean by authentic self? It's doing that self inventory, what your values are and, and not compromising those values to appease others around you. Mm. Right. So, and it's one of the things that I struggle with, with the environments that we're in today and the society that we're in today is that we don't stay true to our values and we're willing to compromise ourselves just to fit in to get the likes to yeah the way the wind's blowing i mean it's what it comes down to it changes so often and we want to feel like we have to fit in to this group or that group or this you know political if if we want to go that direction but i mean at the end of the day you are who you are and you've been you know if if you grew up in a certain area if your parents are a certain way if you have a family system that's a certain way and you believe in certain things. I mean, that's why we're so diverse and why the world is what it is. Like, stop being fake and be who you are. Yeah, and then, you know, just, uh, and, and I'll let you jump in here, David, but um, one of the things that I, I try to tell folks all the time is like, you know, there's a difference between having core values and beliefs, right? Your beliefs can change, right? Like, I believe I like ketchup today, but, you know, tomorrow I might not like ketchup, right? I might believe in, you know, this political party or today, and I don't believe in them tomorrow. It's okay. No. That's a choice that you can make, but your true core values of who you are, right? Having integrity, having that moral character, having ethical values, those things should never change, right? And if they're already corrupted and, um, and damaged, right? Based on, right? If you and I have different values, we might not connect. That's okay. But um, stay true to who you are and not be wishy-washy. And I think as leaders, you have to have a moral compass. You have to have those ethical values. You have to have integrity. And once you compromise those because you're getting pressure from the outside, you have lost the trust of your organization and the culture becomes a toxic culture. So, and I know a lot of what you've said with your company is that you, you, you have your core foundational values and you guys are living to those values today. So I'll let you jump in on, on what your thoughts are with all that. There hey, you go. Man. We got, okay. Yeah, we got you. I don't, I don't put me on mute, but we can have a whole conversation about values. And I'll just quickly say, honestly, when my dad first joined, that was one of his first tasks because he gave me my value system. I mean, we literally worked weeks on end on our values before anybody stepped into the company. Like you said, we wanted to have those core values. If you go to our website, you know, you're going to see those values front and center. And it really starts with you. And you know, the, we didn't want to pick the generic values in this. We wanted to pick values that we live by and that we're serious by. And I'll just read. We just have six values. Relational integrity. You know, not just integrity, but integrity in our relationships, period. Intentional stewardship. It's not just about being a steward. You have to be intentional when you're stewarding. You're stewarding careers, lives, money, you know, a strategy. You have to be a steward of your strategy. So we want to be intentional with that. Transforming generosity is not just enough to give. It has to have the aim to transform. And that sets a structure for when we go out to do something charitable, we're not doing it for a one-time event. We want to establish a relationship. So that's why we say transforming generosity. Collective ingenuity, creative rest, not just rest, but be creative. You know, we really invest in rest. You know, we our people don't work all types of crazy hours. I don't work crazy. As a business owner, I work average 45 to 50 hours a week. You need to rest. You have family. And then our last value is, is having fun. And I like to have fun. Like you said, Eric, you know, work's going to get done. 
you know, the world is a serious place. We're actually in a very serious business. But in the midst of it, you got to find time to have fun. And I think not deviate. I love what you say, Eric, and you are true, a man of your word. I've sat under your leadership. I've seen it. I've seen you have those, have those hard conversations. I've seen you see people that are trying. You, you, you'll, you'll address them like, hey, dude, that's not you. Why are you doing that? And mm-hmm. I think that that's so important to have those values. And, you know, honestly, sometimes those value systems will be challenged um, within your organization and outside of your organization. And you're right, Eric, I totally agree with you. Once you compromise on the values, you've lost trust, you know, and I think that's where you got to have one of those look at myself type moments and be like, hey, you know, you know, am I walking outside of, you know, my purpose and what I what I hold near and dear to my value system? And believe it or not, the last thing I'll say about that is your clients will pick up on your values, even if you don't say them. Yeah, so I know, Steve, you talk about it all the time, having this purpose-driven economy, right? And it comes down to purpose. And how do you get to your purpose, right? It's understanding your values and finding your true north and what are you passionate about. Yeah, it's that reason you get up out of the bed every morning. And and we've talked about that on episodes as well. And just you and I, um, if, if you don't know what that is, there's it gets back to that self-reflection, that assessment that we were talking about. And you need to get right with the world first before you present yourself to other people because I, I mean, yeah. how can anybody buy into what you're selling if it's a friendship, if it's a relationship, if it's a business, if you don't even know what you're all about? Yeah, so I'm reading this book, uh, Finding Your True North, mm-hmm. right? I've read it twice now and really I'm reading it this time around more from like educating myself. So I'm taking good notes. I'm starting to mark it up with the highlighter and all that. Um Thanks. But there's a there's a table in there and uh, it talks about all the different types of characteristics on who you are when you do your self-assessment. And mine was like more of a rising. It was a shooting star. Right. But it talks about what are you good in um, and what are the the risks that you have? And I hit all those risks. I don't sleep much. Right. Um, Mm. I'm always taking on additional tasks, you know, to my detriment. Um, Mm. Right. I have a hard time with delegation. Right. Because I want to get results quickly. Right. These are all Mm. things that you got. You both know that I that I struggle with. Right. But I've done Mm. that self-assessment to say, yeah, I am. Right. But one of the ones um, that talks about people that compromise themselves um, because of pressures, they're called imposters. Right. These are the people Mm -hmm. that aren't real, real with themselves that I find that on a day to day basis, even where I am currently located, there are plenty imposters that they tell you one thing they do another because the pressures around them they don't have the fortitude to say no i'm not going Mm. to compromise myself because there's a crack in their own value system and that's what Mm. i've come to and i'm starting to get to the point where um i'm not even angry anymore about it i think i'm more (laughs) um i feel bad for them right i feel sorry for them and but then i know that i need to discard discard them as well because it's going to start to affect me as well so um, yeah, I think to your point, though, is like when we look at purpose and living your purpose and not living someone else's purpose, you have to do that yeah. self-assessment to say, look, these are my values. I won't compromise them. And you might be a pariah where you're at. and You might have to move on because they, right. it just doesn't align. You don't fit. Yeah. But it's OK. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's OK. Yeah. So, you know, like one day, hell, I might call you up, David, and be like, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming, man. Right. Because I want I want to work, work in that in that value system. But, you know, if one day you compromise that and doesn't align, then it doesn't mean we can't talk anymore. But maybe it's not something I'm going to get behind. Right. So um, exactly. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Right. Because This is going to be another uh, actually <laughs> another, episode. another episode. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, there's emotion there. And I mean, I, 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 we, I think all three of us have seen too many people in our walks of life. And to your point, Eric, you know, you, you cut them out if that's 
kind of the, the visual that we want to go with. And if, if you surround yourself with people like that, eventually it's going to start, you know, uh, it'll, it'll be a threat to your own value system as well. And, you know, you're going to have to have that, that kind of come to Jesus moment for yourself. And you're going to have to ask some hard questions. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, with that, uh, what we want to do though, is, uh, I want to wrap this one up, but you know, David, if you, you, I want to invite you back, um, so we can continue that conversation. I think it worked out today for the audience that doesn't know we have him on FaceTime with us. So, uh, you know, we get, we get, we get everything. We get the great smiles. He's got some nice glasses on, you know, you can tell that he's doing well. He's finally got a start shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't have that when I, when you do be here. At least uh, there's no tie. That's good. right? No, but you know that, and I just want to tell you that I'm proud of you. Um, with everything that you've achieved. Um, and I, I know that you're killing it for your people. I want to say congratulations for getting married. Um, cause Thank I know you. we haven't it's talked face great. to face. Uh, finally someone's, <laughs> uh, put some structure around you and, uh, man, I needed it. Yeah. You're no longer eating mayonnaise and crackers. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kale and quinoa now, you know, there you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll close up here. Uh, you can find us on all the major outlets, you know, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud and, 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 um, and you know, at, uh, directly at our leadership is tricky.com website. Um, we are looking for folks to give us articles. Um, I'm glad to have Steve back in a actual healthy state. He's been sick for a couple. couple yeah, weeks. I got bit by that bad flu bug that's out there. So um, I'm excited as well. And we're going to really hit the social media hard coming now 2020 and, um, you know, put more content. That's what this is all about. Absolutely. And we have some uh, some more guests coming on. So Michelle Bolas is going to join us. Yes, um, yeah. I have Colonel Dean Smith. He's going to come online with us as well. Um, Trish Martinelli, who is a strategic uh, communications person um, on the Ooh, um, government side. Um, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, you know, gender equality, gender inclusion um, from that perspective. Uh, we have some more articles coming out. We have our third part of our uh, practical leadership series um, ongoing. And then Steve and I are going to hit the road and we're going to hit folks with some uh, content from the road um, as we wow. travel and travel around. So we'll have our travel cast going on. I think I'm going to bring the set with me. It should. Yeah. I mean, we are definitely mobile, so let's make it happen. Absolutely. So so content's gonna keep continue to keep coming, keep listening. David, thank you for your time. Um well, and thank you guys. Yeah, we'll see you again maybe in a few weeks. Um uh, once definitely. I get Michelle on, maybe we can coordinate to bring you on in the back end of that. Um, definitely. So, all right, so we can reminisce about old times and uh <laughs> and we can continue our conversation. Uh so uh thank you guys for listening. Uh we're out on this end. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Bye guys, thank you again. All right. Take-